Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hello! Hello! Happy hump day! Happy hump day! (laughs) I'm sure that still applies. Yeah. <laughs> still applies. Happy hump day. How are you? I am good. Very good. How are you? Great. Tell me what's been happening with you lately. Um, nothing too exciting. Um, I did finally manage to do Rocky with my brothers. So Yay. very belated. But so that was that was really nice to have both my brothers and my parents, you know, and my grandma all in the same place. So yeah, it was very good. I also returned one of the gifts my brother exchanged one of the gifts my brothers got because he's lovely at gift giving, but I have better taste. So <laughs> well, I returned the bracelet he got me and got earrings. So you said the bracelet and got earrings, did you? Yes, they were very pretty. Oh, nice. And did you get a funny look in the shops when you went to buy bracelets? Mm-mm. No, I didn't because it turned out my mum had a few that, you know, um, that she had in a pile somewhere. So I was like, oh, thank God. Because, um, yeah, that's terrible having to go and buy those things. Um, but the selection for my brothers then wasn't as nice because, you know, they were a little bit, uh, as my brother said, Indian looking. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what does that mean? I know exactly. I'm like, I think that is the point. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. Actually, out of curiosity, how long do they wear these bracelets for? Well, you're supposed to wear it till it comes off, really. Okay, right. Red, so it'll eventually wear out and come off. So, mm. uh, so yeah, however long depends how much you know, wear and tear it goes through, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, and have you got your earrings in? You're... Actually, I didn't end up wearing those because those earrings are a little bit subtle. Okay. So, and you know how much I love them. And you're not subtle when it comes to earrings. No, not really. So <laughs> wore them especially for, for my parents. Um, so, yes, exciting. And it was Father's Day this week. Oh, yes. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Father's Day to all the dads. And I I have to add, though, Father's Day in Australia and America, but not the UK. 
and possibly not Europe as well because we have different Father's Days. I don't know why. Exactly. We do. Different so, days. Yeah, you would celebrate it at a different time with your dad. So mm. um, I think if you called him this week and said happy Father's Day. I will. I, call, I will call him anyway. So what are you, are you celebrating with your dad? What are you doing? Mm, what did you do? The day early because that's when everybody could get together. So okay. We just had, um, um, yeah, we just had dinner at my mum's place. So. Nice. Um, yeah, it was lovely. Mum bought fish and made fish curry. Yum. Yeah. Sounds lovely. It was. How was your week? Um, good. Yeah, I've been. I've been had lots on this week. I did. Um, I did my kid pediatric hypnosis certification oh that's right yeah so I was doing that and that was really cool I really enjoyed it mm-hmm. it gets me excited about using hypnosis to help people because it's so powerful and it's such a good feeling I forgot the feeling because when we're when we're training we have to hypnotize each other mm-hmm. and I haven't been hypnotized for a while myself I used to do a little bit of self-hypnosis, but I, I kind of stopped doing that for a while. And then I was reminded of how good it feels. It feels so good to be hypnotized. It's so relaxing. Really? Yeah, it's the best thing. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I'd probably... say it's better than drugs, but I don't know that. I've never yeah. ever <laughs> It's so relaxing. You don't need drugs. Just hyp- hypnosis is the best thing ever. So... Yeah, that's what I did. And then also I did a workshop with a company um, and I did like a self-care stress management um, workshop. That was really fun as well. So, so yeah, I've been quite busy at the week and um, and we launched the trailer as well for the podcast. Yes, which was exciting. Um, and your voice was lovely. <laughs> yes um you can tell them that when they you know you can put it in their head because one of the feedbacks from tracy's friend our friend i guess um was that tracy sounded like a bit of a sex worker (laughs) thanks for that yeah let's just put that in there yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm actually like one friend said i sounded like somebody rang up a sex hotline which Mm. i don't think so at all and then another friend said it didn't sound like me she said it was my posh voice Oh, <laughs> but like you know, some people have a phone voice, don't they? When they're on the phone, yeah. I guess you change your voice, and I don't do this consciously because I wasn't aware I was doing it. Yeah, you know, I'm like, this is a promotion. I'm promoting the podcast. So I'm going to promote it. So mm. I didn't think I sounded any differently when I was speaking, but apparently I did. But anyway, well, I'm sure it was very all very subconscious. I think we all do it. I'm pretty sure I have a phone voice. Um, I've had a few people say so. There you go. But yeah. <laughs> but can you imagine? I'm just trying to imagine now somebody sounding so different on the phone. <laughs> like another person almost. That would be quite amusing. I don't know anyone like that though. No, I don't okay. know. Everybody's like phone voice. Yeah. But anyway, have you got a story for us this week? Yes, we I think there are a few interesting things to talk about this week. So um I might start off with this one that you know is being talked about all over the place but we're reading the article from the guardian what's the headline the headline is serena william announces she will retire from tennis after a glittering career 
Sorry. Oh yeah, she just did her last game in the U.S. Open. So yeah, I saw it on the. I saw it. Go on then. Go go go. So Serena Williams, one of the greatest athletes of, of all time, and twenty-three-time Grand Slam singles champion, has announced that she is retiring from professional tennis, indicating she could step away um, after the upcoming U.S. Open. That's pretty. Well, I suppose expectant, but still shocking because she's so good. Um, in a column from Go, uh, Vogue, the 40-year-old Williams described her intention to finish her um, playing career as an evolution away from tennis. I have never liked the word retirement, she wrote. Maybe the best word to describe what I'm up to is evolution. I'm here to tell you that I'm evolving away from tennis toward things that are more important to me. I think that's an awesome, awesome way of looking at yeah. it. Evolving away, that's fantastic. Mm. Um, so Williams has spent much of the last few years off court preparing for a moment that um, she decided to move on, including setting up a venture capital company called Serena Ventures and investing in various organisations. However, her, um, she explained that one of the biggest reasons for retirement, for evolution, is her intention to further expand her family. Um, Williams gave birth to her first child, Alexis Olympia, in 2017. So she goes on to say, I never wanted to have to choose between tennis and a family. I don't think it's fair. If I were a guy, I wouldn't be writing this because I'd be out there playing and winning while my wife was doing the physical lab labor of expanding our family. So, mm. Mm. so her career expands, you know, over three decades and she has made, and this is quite amazing. Where did it go? She has made a total. So she's won 23 Grand Slam singles titles, earning over $94 million in prize money, which is um, Williams did fall short of the all-time record of 24. Um, so Margaret Court. Who? Margaret Court? Margaret Court. Oh, okay. Um yeah, and, and of course, her professional career started at age 14 in 1995. Age 14, mm -hmm. she was a phenomenon, um, winning her first Grand Slam at age 17 in 1999 at the US Open. Despite all her mileage, um, she retires happily. She really does. There is no happiness, well, there is no unhappiness um, in this topic for me. She does go on to say that she does feel um, a lot of pain in this decision. It's the hardest thing that I could have done, um, that I could have imagined doing. I hate it. I hate that I have to be at a crossroads. Um, I keep saying to myself, I wish it could be easy for me, but it's not. I'm torn. I don't want to be over. But at the same time, I'm ready for, the, for what's next. So, yeah. Um, it does go on to describe all the... Um, fact that she's not only won singles, but she's won lots of doubles um, partnerships as well. And she's won four Olympic gold medals, three of them in doubles and two mixed doubles in 1998. So, um, oh, and we do have to mention that she is classified as a goat. Oh, I didn't know what that meant. 
Yes, enlighten us. What is a goat? Because I would be offended if somebody called me a goat. Yes. Because as beautiful as goats are, I don't don't really want to be compared to one. I don't even see how I can be compared to one. So do do enlighten us, Mina? What does goat mean? Yes, so you could potentially be a goat. All of us could potentially be a goat. But Serena Williams is definitely a goat. She is the greatest of all time. Oh, okay. I get it. Greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. Certainly um, a good thing to be described as. um... Yes, she certainly is a goat. Yes. She's um, done incredible things. When you think about her career and how she's pioneered and changed the face of tennis. This is such, you know, such a strong, powerful tennis player who happens to be a woman and who happens to be black. Yes. And it's just unheard of. It was, it's a first. It, yeah. it was a first and she's done incredible things. Mm. Especially because the sport itself, and it does describe it up here, is it was dominated by white upper middle class you know it was expensive to to even you know practice for this sport and get into it so the fact you know from the background that they came from Mm -hmm. um they faced a lot of challenges to be who they are exactly all that they are in tennis so and they overcame it as well and I don't know I've heard the story I really like to watch the movie actually because there's the movie coming out if it's not out already it's out the the one with um oh what Will is Smith? It? Yes. Um yeah it is out. He won he won the award for it. So Yeah, we know the controversy of the uh yeah, we we remember the slap. That award, yes. Yeah, did. that award. But is it out then the movie? Because I'd like to watch it. But I heard, I don't know if this is true, I don't know where I've heard it, but that you know, like it's the father their father had kind of like um almost like he was a message from God some sort of spiritual message mm. that this is what even before they were born as I as I remember being told mm. that this was this was their calling this is what they had to do and this is mm. this was it and it and it's so believable when you think about the the outcome of that right yeah, exactly no matter what your beliefs it's just what they've achieved has been almost well not a miracle because <laughs> but you know just outstanding I don't know how else to describe it yeah um well i think it's it's the challenges they've faced throughout their careers even when they became really high up in in their own sport um i think they faced a lot of discrimination and a lot of you know bias and things like that so um they've persevered really well they're um quite exemplary yeah yes i would um i think that um Amazing little Yeah, it will be interesting to see what else she does now, aside from, of course, having, you know, expanding her family as she wants to do. But um, what else she's got in store for herself? But I think it's interesting that she said that she was a man, she wouldn't have to make this choice. Mm. Yeah. Because what what's the choice? It is a choice. Mm. But so many women don't have the choice. Yes, but it's the choice. I don't. I'm not sure I understand the choice because I guess it's a, her choice, so that she wants to spend it. But the physical labor, besides obviously physical, the actual labor, doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the mother. Yes, and yeah. especially when you've got 
you know, you've got uh, resources that work that she would have. I mean, to choose to want to do that, that's absolutely fine. But I mean, it's not like she hasn't got a part. I don't know. I don't know if a partner's supportive. I'm assuming it, that her partner is supportive and that's not an issue. But I think it's the fact that she does have to have the baby, you know, um, so she would not be able to play and certainly not, you know, well, maybe early on, but certainly not professionally. I imagine. But wasn't she back? Well, but the, she's had a baby. Wasn't she back playing tennis like? Oh, very soon after. Yeah, like something. Yeah, months, months after. Yeah, she looked pretty amazing. So, um, yeah, but maybe she doesn't want to push herself that much. You know, I I think it would have been a push to have a baby and then be out on the court, like, within a year of having a baby. So, um, because I suppose you have to keep fit and you have to keep relevant and all of the things that women worry about, you know, once they've had it, have it, had a child you know in her case you had you had to be competitive as well as you know everything else yeah you've got to get back in shape like it's a got like it's some sort of requirement Mm. social requirement pressure that they put women put on themselves Mm. yeah exactly instead of like taking the time to rest after this such an incredible Mm thing that they've done yeah what their body goes through what their body goes through what they've done it's just it is a miracle and it is a a mass physical thing to do yeah it'll be uh, i wonder if she's going to be one of these people that also says to her child and or children uh, oh yeah i think you should play tennis (laughs) i think there's already been like photos of the kid playing tennis so oh you you couldn't not play tennis whether it's going to be the professional level is different but sure you couldn't be your kids were gonna you're gonna dabble aren't they yeah I hope so but imagine if you had no coordination skills or anything like that you were the child of Serena Williams you know (laughs) and just terrible at sport in general forget about tennis so yeah no it'd be um you was you said what of discrimination? Like I hadn't heard, I haven't been following them mm-hmm. much to know about what you might be talking about. What do you mean by that? Sorry, discriminate. Well, yeah. Um. So and there have been every now and then you see it in, and I know know that there was a lot of comparison between, um, you know, um, what do they call? Look, I don't know tennis very well, but um, when the ref sort of are they even called refs. Um, the referees are like giving you... umpires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The the um the points against you that they get, like the fines and things on court, when they've compared it to like male um, tennis players, by far females have gotten like for for things that you know male sportsmen don't get any um any points against them for the females get pulled up a little bit i wish i could remember the example but anyway and then also there were um comments and controversy around you know physically serena and venus williams are so like powerful powerful women in general um but powerful even when compared to men so you know people questioning whether they're women at all and maybe they should be tested or something like that it was just yeah it's stuff like that that gets you down 
I think, when you're watching women compete and they're competing and they're winning at such a higher level and instead of just celebrating it and letting them have it, you know, people are questioning who they are. Mm. Um, And, like, it's almost like it's not possible. You must have cheated in some way. Exactly. you've, You've somehow got some sort of advantage which is, yeah, you know, some illegal advantage mm-hmm. because you couldn't possibly be strong yes you couldn't possibly be that strong mm. I, I think people are okay with women and strength to a certain level but when you become very powerful and, and you are um, then they're sort of like oh wait hang on <laughs> that level I'm not happy with mm. if you show up men I mean I don't see I, I was thinking I'm having this really stupid thought Oh, I'm sorry. It's not stupid. An interesting thought, interesting shower thought I had. Um, because where I'm living at the minute, there's there's a building being developed. So I see a lot of tradies out my window. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing physically, women could be doing. Yeah. I mean, looking, they're not doing anything too strenuous. Yeah. At all. And but, I mean, if women wanted to do it, obviously. And I'm just like, why is that, why is that such a male-dominated thing? Yeah. In my head, from I don't know, it's something to do with strength, but no. lifting the lifting a sack of concrete. I mean, women can do that. I've seen women in the gym that could lift a bus. Yeah, um, you know, way more than I could lift. But yeah. um, like, what is? Why is there so many? Why is some of these things? Why are things male dominated when there's mm. no good reason other than? <laughs> other than why well I think it comes back to what we're told we can do you mm. know like I mean I'm gonna put my mom on the spot here I love my mom <laughs> but she has always been very cautious about me and you know this and it's kind of no hard. I don't go on what I don't I don't think I do me and lifting things right seriously Yes, always, my whole life, you know, always you, you cannot move heavy furniture, you can't, you know, um, just don't do it, you know, <laughs> like, um, and, you know, I have two brothers and my dad and everything. So I'm, uh, you know, when she says don't do it, you know, I've never really had, I've, I've I guess I've believed that and I don't. Like, that explains <laughs> a lot, Mino. That explains when, when you help me move, Yes, you can barely lift a chair. No, <laughs> it is very tragic. I, I really, I really don't even like carrying things. So it's just, it's, it's like a thing. Um, but yeah, and she already, you know, thinks, you know, I, I do too much of it and I don't do nearly enough. You know, I've got friends who are smaller than me who lift like cupboards and things. And I, you know, I had my brother come over yesterday, actually, so he could move my old TV out and move my old, uh, you know, microwave out to the garage because yeah I just didn't want to do it so but it is a lot about how you're told you know that and you know and some women are or men maybe perhaps as well are like no I'm gonna continue doing what I want to do like I'm passionate about it and I want to do it and I can do it and they break out of that that mold that people give you yeah I guess that's 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 the thing to be careful of with your children is to not limit them by mm. limiting them what they're capable of by giving them an idea that mm. you know that they're only capable of so much. 
Yeah. And and then, then then there might be the other school of thought as you know, they're being realist realist the reality of being realistic. Yeah. But once you put in that box, you put in that box and it and it really mm. uh, what does it it tells you about what you're capable of. Mm. It tells you what you're capable of. And that's and that's part of that's part of the problem with actually some of the clients I see when we when we get to real when we get to the real core issue, it's usually, it's always, nearly, it's always from childhood. Mm. It's nearly always from that, from something from then. And I remember this one in particular, similar to what you were just saying, actually, where they, um, they were the youngest mm. out of three, I think. So they were all, the, the parents were always saying to them, let your, let your older sibling do that. Mm. let them go let ask them you don't do that ask mm. this you don't know what you're doing ask, ask your older sibling and that was const- that was kind of a theme mm. and what when we were talking about their childhood and so what it created was this person had no self-confidence in what they could do they were always doubting themselves and always thinking they weren't good enough to do certain things or capable because they'd had this pattern from a really young age where they've been told that a lot and that's what they believed and that caused a lot of problems for them as an adult Mm. and their confidence and their self-esteem yeah so yeah I don't think we always understand obviously we don't always otherwise you wouldn't do that to your kids but we don't always understand the impact of what we're you know what we're telling them and what we're making them Mm. do even in men I mean we're talking more about women but even if men are pigeonholed into yeah you you can't be a person who expresses your emotions or you're a boy you need to play with trucks and you can't play with dolls or you know you can't be creative because that's not what men do um I think that that limits their growth as well so Mm. um, but it's not even that overt yeah the kind of things you would say I mean we had an example when we were doing our training the other day um the example was something like the dad had said offhand to his son um to and and the dad was making a joke and showing off in front of his wife something like oh you know it's the women that have the brains in this family son something like that you know jokey Mm. Uh, but that has made that child's Mm. grades went down from that point onwards yeah, and they brought the child in to see a coach to help improve their grades. And once you got, you know, doing all the tools and techniques, once you got to the root of the, the cause, it was this, this, this is what had happened. This had been said, and this had been imprinted in the child. And so the child subconsciously now was like, well, couldn't do any better. And then their um, sister as well, because they had a sister, so they could never do any better than their sister. So they did poorly. They performed poorly, worse than they had before. Not as good as they had before because they had this suggestion. It's very powerful, um, the things you say to people. Whether you're joking, whether you mean it or not, can be very, very powerful, especially to children. So, um, you know, they're so in that, especially in those earlier years when they're so taking everything in and they're just easily modelling yeah. what you suggest to them whether you mean it or not 
Yeah, well, I think I can trace the stunting of my inability. <laughs> no, my inability in general to do sports to just how many trophies my brothers won, you know, <laughs> and the whole... <laughs> I'm completely joking you, but they just have this pile of trophies um, when you walk into my parents' place of, from cricket, just beyond, you know, most people. So um, I I didn't, I, I'm fine. I just didn't play sports. I didn't like it. But um, uh, I have one trophy to contribute to that, and that was um, the horse's ass I won. It was a donkey, actually. Um, for the worst um, laser shooting person in the group for work a couple of years ago. I was, I was actually really proud when I put my little tiny horse's ass with like all of their trophies in this ridiculous cabinet of my parents. So, um, no, that was amazing. So you, I thought you did enjoy some things like martial arts or something. I did do karate for really I did I loved it my brothers actually hated it they they weren't cool it's funny they were coordinated enough coordinated enough to play cricket but not karate um but yeah no I I left in year 10 and my um I, I mean I don't know I think uh, my dad would probably not um agree with this but I think what made him sort of go no no you need to concentrate on your studies forget about you know forget about karate was um, me him coming to pick me up from karate one day and we were sparring and I was sparring with a boy with a man who was much older than me and so I think he was just like nope not having none of that so <laughs> I think it's time for you to just concentrate on your studies so um, yeah anyway um, yeah I did actually like karate but I hate cricket um, with a passion uh, but tennis is actually fun you know coming back to it I think it's a fun sport to play tennis I didn't get really get to play tennis I did a lot quite a lot of sport at high school and then at college I did sports tennis just wasn't something I'd ever really played mm. so I mean I could take it or leave it I guess at the time but then talking of the sports because tennis is you like you said is one of those sports that you know you need a lot of money to play mm. it's like you know kind of a middle class kind of yes. type of pastime so is golf mm. when you think about it so that was you know really Tiger Woods was the was the um pioneer there because again you didn't have black you didn't have black mm. um elite athlete, athletes in golf until you until him mm-hmm. and I found this interesting thing about this article it's an Australian piece about golf and I didn't know, I don't play golf. And I mean, I played a uh, holy moly or what do you call it? Yes, the little um, putt-putt. Putt-putt. Mm-hmm. Putt-putt. So I play, I play that and I'm pretty, pretty awesome at it, aren't I? Yeah. Aren't we all? Not really. <laughs> and I remember trying to, pl- trying to play golf, like, like proper golf. Yes. And just not succeeding at all but I mean I guess if you try and you're really interested in it I could I've got a friend a girlfriend actually loves golf she has her own golf clubs oh. she keeps offering to take me and I'm like yeah maybe no. what, what is that saying a golf is a walk spoiled <laughs> I've not heard that I haven't heard that <laughs> but anyway a this good walk spoiled a good walk spoiled but this is this is about um 
Australian golf under, it says undergoing a quiet revolution with clubs ditching men and women tees embracing a gender neutral color based system. So golf tees, which I knew and I knew what that meant. So obviously golf tees is um, where you start when you're going to play a game of golf. So the area which players hit their first shots every hole. So have for decades been split into separate ones for men, women and competition events. Teeing grounds for women are placed in front of the ones for men, using the rationale that women generally cannot hit the golf ball as far as men. Okay, so small wooden or plastic blocks highlighting the teeing areas have been painted in colours designating them according to gender. So at many clubs, men tees are coloured blue, women red, and the competition colours are either black or yellow. And then some clubs retain that traditional label, gentlemen and ladies tees. Well, at least they didn't make the women pink. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's red, which is kind of gender neutral. Um, but the fact that red was recognised as for women, specific to the gender. But now, sports governing body Golf Australia is pushing for the 1,603 golf clubs and facilities to scrap their gender rating of tees. So, and, I, and I'm fully agreeing with this. It's about matching people up with their ability rather than their gender. And if that means there's more women starting at the tee that's ahead, then fine. But then it, it takes away the limitation that it's not possible to, mm. it's not possible. It takes yeah. away that limitation. Um, so it's about matching people with their ability rather than their gender. Mm. And Damien DeBowen, Golf Australia's general manager, clubs and facilities, told this is a nine news article what gender and golfer is really is really should be irrelevant what gender a golfer is really should be irrelevant true it should be about your ability cool so some clubs are now trialing gender neutral tees enabling an elite female golfer to play from the furthest one which is how it should be yeah while a shorter hitting male can play from the forward tee so yeah so a male that's not mm. can't hit as far gets that's what it should be. It just should be on ability. In competitions, players start at the start of the round can select which tee to play from according to their ability. Mm. Makes sense. I thought that was really a really refreshing piece. I like pieces that just show the world is changing. Yes. Um, and they go on to say that we want to grow the game, but this is not a direction to clubs. They're asking them to trial it. So it, actually it's been asked to trial. It's not been mandated. And they're hoping that it will bring a greater appreciation of female golfers. And let's see the responses. It's a step for the, it's a step in golf to, to shake off a perceived sexist image. And then there was this whole thing about restriction on days that men and women could play. But I just thought that was a really interesting story and really highlighted change and the potential for change. I wonder how it'll be, how the trials will go though. Hopefully well. I'm sure it would be received well, certainly by the women. Um, oh, one hopes by the men as well, because um, that whole women can't hit as far or, you know, all of that is very archaic thinking, you know. Mm. You know, it's been proven many times over and over again. Women can, they if they train as hard or whatever, mm. um, they can do just as well. Mm. There are some women, men who can't, you know, compete at that level of things so it should always be about ability, ability. 
That's mm. gender. So, um, yes, making mm. things a little bit more equal. Yeah, because I'm just thinking, like, it's what is what it's like, and it's probably not. But boxing, you know, you've got your featherweight, your heavyweight. It's according to ability, based mm-hmm. on weight, mm-hmm. and nothing to do with gender, right? Because it was it was exclusively a male sport anyway. Was yes. so it's kind of having that kind of thinking towards sports according to ability. So yeah. then everyone who plays can then be with no limitation to them it's just you can play according to the best of your ability yeah with the best with people of similar ability because that's what makes it a competition then right Mm -hmm. you don't want to see a heavyweight play fighting a lightweight Mm -hmm. but lightweights fighting lightweights it's a competition Mm. of similar ability it's a really good example boxing is a really good example especially if you look at just the men um, that you can acknowledge that there are men in lightweight division and there are men in heavyweight division. Mm. That lightweight isn't just for women or whatever, that there are men in the entire spectrum mm. of that, that sport. So, um, yeah, it would be it would be good to recognise that in other sports as well. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, there you go. It's awesome news. Awesome news. What else do you have for us? Right. So this one is also exciting news from reported by the CNN. It belongs to everyone. Australian government buys the right to the Aboriginal Aboriginal flag for fourteen million dollars. Right. So, okay. You're gonna have to explain what this means because because you so know. the Australian government has bought the copyright to the Aboriginal flag, making it freely available for public use and ending a long um, standing battle over the design. So the deal was worth 20 million Australian dollars. It says in bracket $14 million. I I don't know, that must be based on USD. Um, Prime Minister Scott Morrison's government secured the rights from Indigenous artist Harold Thomas, who created the flag over 50 years ago. The agreement means that the flag can now be um, reproduced on clothing, on merchandise, sports jerseys, artworks, with the, without permission and free of charge. Um, in a statement, the Morrison um, government, or I think Morrison himself, said that the flag um, had been freed, adding that his administration sought to protect the integrity of the Aboriginal flag in line with Harold Thomas's wishes. So um, I think it's a great, great win because the artist gets paid for what they've done, recognised, but now it belongs to the Australian people and the Aboriginal people. So the red, black and yellow design has been recognised as the official flag of Australia since 1995, but it um, became a subject um, of a commercial dispute when a company that licensed the image from Thomas began demanding payment from various organizing um, organizations using it, including a health charity, um, several cro- clothing brand, and Australian National Rugby League. Uh, uh, that's so, not yeah. good. Yeah, it's good. I didn't realize what the impact, the implication of what this meant. Mm. I hadn't even realized it wasn't already mm. owned by. To me, if the government own it, it's owned by Australia. Mm. Like, 
that's what that means to me. So I didn't even realize it wasn't already owned by Australia. No, it was privately owned because people do use it. Yeah. To represent Australia. Yeah. But it belonged, obviously, until now to that that artist. And the company buying the rights to it, that was a bit, yeah, that was a bit dodgy in my mm. eyes. I think this is the right thing that Australia should own it. Yeah, in 2020, the parliamentary inquiry, which um, supported government efforts to acquire the rights from the artists, described the license action as heavy-handed but entirely legal. So, interesting. It also goes on to say, a Free the Flag campaign founded in 2019 called for an end to the exclusive licensing um, agreement. It gained support from several high-profile Aboriginal Australians, including former Olympian um, Nova Paris. In a statement, ministers from Indigenous Australia, Ken Watt, um, described the flag as an enduring symbol um, close to the heart of Aboriginal people, adding, now that the Commonwealth holds the copyright, it belongs to everyone and no one can take it away. Oh, wow. Well, that's amazing. I had no idea it didn't already belong yeah. to the Commonwealth. And, like, the Aboriginal flag... I knew that this, the yellow circle, so it, if you don't know the Australian Aboriginal flag, it's the yellow circle represents the sun and then it's like a black stripe at the top and a red stripe at the bottom. And I didn't know that the black stripe represented Aboriginal people mm. and the red stripe represented mm. what's it rep- the country. It's the land. It's like- supposed to be two things, blood and land. Oh, okay. Yeah. Blood and land. Yeah, okay. the blood spilled, you know, on and the land because it's like a red earth mm, it is as red well. Earth. So I didn't know that, but yeah, mm. it's a beautiful yeah. flag. And actually, now it's made you made me wonder if other countries have um, native flags. Mm, yeah, like does does New Zealand have like a Maori? Is there a Maori flag? And is there like a native flag f- for North America? I don't know. Actually, yeah, now that you're saying it, I'm not 100% sure. Obviously, being an Australian, I'm I'm very, like, the Australian flag is iconic and very well recognised. But, yeah, it would be interesting to know if there are other Indigenous flags. Surely there would be. Because if you think about the flag other than just what it looks like, mm. it speaks to the history of the land mm. and the fact that we've got this, the, you know, the more universally used referenced Australian flag really it's the British flag it's a it's a it's a version of the British flag because you know of where how Australia how white Australia started let's put it that way um and then there's the Aboriginal flag as well of because where it where it's been for thousands of years before that so I just I kind of like the idea that they speak they speak to the history of the land, if you know what, if you understand what the symbols mean, of course. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's also then if, you know, then it's an education for people, you know, what it represents and you can talk about it, you mm. know, that way. So um, not that it's just the Union Jack and it's the British thing and whatnot. So, um, yeah, no, it's exciting news. I like it. Yeah, that's really cool. I had no idea it wasn't already owned. So now people can freely use the Aboriginal flag mm-hmm. to show their pride. Yeah, to show their pride. Yeah. Australian things. And I have a special news story 
for you. Oh, I think you'll find exciting. Yeah. Um, Sky News, the title being Swimming Cap for Afro Hair Approved After It Was Banned at the Tokyo Olympics. Oh, my God. So <laughs> a ban on swimming caps, which were designed to protect natural black hair, has been lifted by the International Swimming Federation, um, FINA. Well, fine. I oh, think I heard right. about this. Like, I think maybe Joe mentioned it to me. I don't know. But this is like, mm-hmm. I didn't even know it was a thing. I'm yeah. so, because this is why black people don't swim. <laughs> it messes up the hair. Like, it just doesn't go with your hair. And it's, and it's, well, men, I don't really know. Men could really swim. But maybe, you know, it's, it's to be honest, chlorine is no good for your hair. It really doesn't do no. good things. But, um, yeah, but people don't swim, and I used to love swimming, but trying to get a cap on my head that yeah. fitted, yeah, never, it just didn't work. It's not going to help. It doesn't know. work at all. So the fact that you can get caps specifically designed for Afro hair, I'm assuming it helps keep your hair dry mostly. Mm-hmm. That is, um, wow. Yes. That is just, I could never even, I must have, I must have had the thought at some point in my life, I wish they made swimming caps for black people. Well, there you go. They do. And um, so it's specialist head- headwear, which was created by a Black-owned UK brand, was banned from the to- Tokyo Olympics last year with the water sports um, governing body stating at the time that it did not fit the natural form of the head. Well, so It heads. didn't fit the natural form of the head. That's a terrible yeah. thing to say. <laughs> it really is a terrible thing <sighs> Because, I mean, um, that decision, obviously, rightly, was criticised by the Black Swimming Association and Soul Cap, which designed and created the swim caps. On Thursday, um, Fina approved the use of the swimming caps, a move Soul Cap described as a huge step in the right direction. Um, Yeah, I need to get me a Soul Cap. Yeah. Wow, I can go swimming. Because I'm swimming again with my Soul Cap. Yes. And I love this this statement of it. It's bringing inclusive swimwear into competition swimming and helping to bring down some of the obstacles that are keeping swimmers away from the sport. Like you said, like yeah, because you don't really see many black swimmers mm. in the Olympics. I could honestly say I've never seen one. Mm. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, and, you know, and given the predisposition for strength and agility, and you know, there's so many sprinters out there. Mm-hmm. And not just sprinters, long distance runners. Like there's so many uh, black athletes that it just seems amiss that there's none in swimming. And it's, it's, that's what it is. It's the hair. <laughs> it's a get. I'm so happy about these caps. I'm going to have to get myself one. Thank you. Mm. I like that. I wonder what else there is. Oh, what else we need? What else do we need? What other inclusive um, equipment or where could we, we need people to invent? Yeah, or to be honest, it, it might already be out there because yeah. I think there are creative people out there um, looking to of ways to be more inclusive. It's just these sporting bodies and things like that allowing people to use these things to be more, yeah, to, to be, be more inclusive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or I don't know, do you remember the, the one, now that I'm thinking about it, oh, I'm stirring the oh, it was a European 
um, volleyball team, beach volleyball team, was it, that were playing in these tiny little, you know what, they have to pay, basically a bikini. They're playing in, in a sports version of a bikini. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and they're playing, you know, professional sports in that. And I think a, a team decided not to wear those. They decided instead of bikini bottoms or something, they were going to wear shorts, like short shorts. Mm-hmm. And they were banned or something. Really? Yeah, it was a while ago. It was a few few months ago. Um, and then, you know, a whole lot of people came out in um, support, you know, saying it was ridiculous to say that the uniform needed to be these tiny little, you know, bikini bottoms and bikini tops that they needed to wear that, you know, how is that interfering? Like in any way, you know, um, mm. it's just a whole other thing. I think in sport to, to, to tell people to that level that you can't, you know, you need to show this much skin or you need to wear these things or you need to have your hair cut in a specific way. How many black athletes have been told they need to cut their locks and things like that, that it's not, you know, it's not code. Um, as they Actually, say. you just reminded me of something. It's terrible. <laughs> High school trauma. You just reminded me. No, I don't know. It's relevant, really. But I remember being shouted at and and I'd say humiliated, actually. Maybe that's how I remember it. But then I don't feel like I've held on to that. But it came up then when you were talking about it. Because I went to really strict Catholic school. And, you know, you had some uniform. There was strict on uniform, how you wore uniform, what you wore. Yeah, all good. That's that's kind of not unusual. But there was a thing, there was the rules about what girls couldn't wear anything in their hair. Like couldn't have hairspray or gel and boys couldn't have gel and you know these still not unusual very strict rules but I'd always worn because of my afro hair always had stuff in my hair you had to to keep it you know to keep it more you had to you just if you've got afro hair you have things mm. products in your hair yeah that's just a thing and I remember saying that to the teacher and they just absolutely bawled me out in front of everyone wow yeah I remember that but to be fair this teacher could just have been having a bad day (laughs) you know Hmm. this teacher this probably the last straw for this teacher because this teacher wasn't generally like a a, you know a mean teacher or a mean person but I remember it and I remember it and I remember it being about because I was black, mm. obviously. So I remember it being quite upset by that at the time. But mm. it is, I am assuming it's not a problem anymore for people in schools. Assuming that is not a problem. Well, I'm glad we're moving towards more inclusivity. Well, just more understanding of our differences and needs, really, mm. so that we can all be involved in the journey called life in a fair and happy life and there's I'm just we have to find we're gonna have to hunt down any more creative solutions that are making the the world fairer like this swimming cap because I just think that's genius it is genius yeah so if anybody is anybody can give us some more examples of that we really would love to hear about it Mm -hmm. yes yeah absolutely all right is that is that everything we were going to talk about i think it is i think it is yes mm. that is the album. so 
All right then. Well, that's Hill. Go on, what were we going to say? No, another great catch up. <laughs> another great catch up. Thank you. All right, until next time, have a good week. Have a good week to everyone. Um, and I think this is where you do your like. Oh, yeah. Like, subscribe, rate. <laughs> <laughs> all one inclusive. Hmm. All A L L, the number one N C L U S I V E, all inclusive. And if share your stories, share. We want to know. We want to know your stories where you may have had an experience of bias or prejudice and how you handled it we want to know about any cool devices or like the shower cap example so any inventions like that that's making the world more inclusive we want to know please share but that was all and you can share that at all one in all and inclusive at gmail.com wait no all one with tracy g <laughs> Oh, well, with Tracy G at gmail.com. That's right. Tracy without an E. <laughs> Tracy without an E. Thank you. Thank you, Edel. That's right. Awesome. Thank awesome. You. All right, then. I turned my video off by accident. <laughs> yes, I thought that was. I was trying to keep my poker face. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> All righty. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!